you know, you can't just look to change hearts and minds and then walk away and hope people do good. Government, especially transportation, we implement, we serve, we, we do things. And so our Office of Equity and Race develops tools and trainings so that Metro staff can incorporate equity measures and strive for equitable outcomes in their work. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. If you're still debating whether the Future of Work conference is for you, then today's episode with panelist Naomi Iwasaki, the Senior Director of Office of Equity and Race at LA Metro, will give you a taste of the deep and clarifying conversations that will take place on the panel we have planned for you. She paints a revealing picture as to how public transportation can act as the keystone to many equitable solutions. Here's my conversation with Naomi. Hi, welcome back to The Future of Work. I am Christina Barsi, filling in for Salvatrice today, and we are here to have a discussion with one of our upcoming panelist participants for the Pasadena City College's Virtual Future of Work Conference on November 9th. I'm here with Naomi Iwasaki, the Senior Director for LA Metro's Office of Equity and Race. She has previously served as the Director of Neighborhood Services and Great Streets for LA Mayor Eric Garcetti and as a leader in New York City's Department of Transportation Bicycle Program. As an independent civic planning and engagement consultant, Ms. Iwasaki helps her public and private clients develop comprehensive equity analysis frameworks. Since 2017, she's also been serving on the City of Los Angeles Affordable Housing Commission. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you, Christina. Happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us, in addition to participating in the panel for our our conference coming up in November. Great. Yeah. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to jump right in, if you don't mind. I, I know I went over a brief overview already of the type of work that you do, but can you start by sharing with us just a little more about how you approach what you do and why this work is so important? Sure. So again, my name is Naomi Iwasaki, Senior Director in the Office of Equity and Race at LA Metro. Uh, we are a very new and tiny, mighty team of, of three staff for an agency of 11,000 employees that serves a county of 10 million people. Um, so we know that we have a big task in front of us, but all of us are committed, uh, and we are really grateful to have uh, commitment and support from our new CEO, Stephanie Wiggins, uh, as well as the Metro Board. I think, 
You know, I think most recently a lot of us saw in 2020 that COVID-19 not only changed the game, but it also really peeled back any sort of buffer or veneer or um, disillusion that we have no inequities or inequalities in our society. And so many people maybe came to that conversation for the first time, um, and many of us have been working on this for a long time. For me personally, uh, I have a long family history here in Los Angeles. I'm a fourth-generation Japanese-American. My grandparents and uncle were in the World War II internment camps um, where West Coast Japanese-Americans were essentially taken from their homes and had their property taken and placed in internment camps across the this, the Midwest and the Southwest. And I think that really shaped my parents' understanding of just how fragile our freedom and independence and justice can be. And they were very active in civil rights movements, Asian American studies movements at local colleges, and really raised me with always that that understanding that you know the world is is only right when we all have the same rights, the same access um, and equality. And I think growing up in Los Angeles, you know, I I got driven around places, um, but was always very acutely aware that there was this divide between haves and have-nots, um, and transportation was definitely one of those things that indicated that. Especially growing up in the 80s and 90s, the bus was something that many people took because they had no other options. That's still true today. Uh, and I think. After living in different cities, I've lived in the Bay Area, I've lived in New York, and just seeing how those transportation systems don't have quite the same caste system and disparity, uh, it really inspired me to want to come back home um, and work on transportation equity because it's such an important link between people being able to access resources and opportunities or not. Wow, that that's so amazing that you kind of came back you left your your I don't know if you left your life in New York and San Francisco but to have this <laughs> initiative to come back and help the projects in, in in transportation in Los Angeles and thank you for sharing your personal story as well it really helps us see the link between why you deeply care about this work why is this topic important to discuss right now and how does it relate to preparing our future workforce yeah thank you for that I mean I think you know we can all agree that we're in this very unique place right now where we are simultaneously both recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, but also still in the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, last year we saw our essential workers that needed to travel and be at their place of work in person become the safety net of our economy and our society as a whole. Uh, for many of these workers, transit was their only option. Um, even if when there were service cuts, even um, when there was revenue loss, they still needed to get to work. Um, and so our approach to transit equity is more than just helping people that have limited options. It really requires addressing these needs and systemic disparities um, and just justly serving and investing in people who have always been the foundation of our economy and will continue to be the most critical to our recovery out of this pandemic. Many people use the term transit dependent, but if essential workers, service workers, maintenance workers, caregivers, and other frontline laborers rely on the bus, then we all rely on the bus. So if we, uh, as we adjust and adapt to life after COVID-19, uh, whatever that looks like, um, how we invest in that foundational workforce will directly impact how all of us recover. And are we going to continue leaving people to fend for themselves, um, increasing the disparities and wealth gaps? Or are we going to find ways to make sure people who are able to work are able to do so because they're safe, they're paid living wages, and they're able to access their destinations? Wow, amazing. 
that you said that so concisely. Can can I ask you just to share with us and help us understand what foundational what the foundational workforce is, who those people are, and why we need them, why they're so integral? Yeah, I mean, I I'll probably just speak from my personal experience as a working parent. When we all were locked in um, our house together, luckily my husband and I were both still working, Mm -hmm. Um, but my seven-year-old was starting first grade. Um, My three-year-old didn't know what was going on, Um, but we were were all really stuck there together. You know, I think we've seen articles and articles, no personal anecdotally, just how hard that was for parents and particularly on women and mothers um, who were caregiving for young children in the house. We don't we don't pay teachers enough. We don't pay child childcare workers enough, and you know I, I could go on a whole other rant about other countries and the subsidies that they provide for childcare and all of that, but you know I think I'll just use one specific example of childcare providers um, and teachers as you know they are workers that allow me to work. They are workers that allow parents to work, and so without them being able to safely you know come to work, earn a living wage, and provide care and resources for our children, which are also the future of our workforce um, and our society, then none of us can really be our best selves and none of us can do anything without their without what they're bringing to the table. And so I you know that's something that I think we want to approach transportation equity with that lens of you know it's not just like oh people need help no we all need help <laughs> we all <laughs> we all um, we all rely on each other in this sort of network a cobweb of society and and different working sectors and so we need to make sure that we take care of the people who take care of us I love the connection piece that you point out there and calling it the cobweb of society that's amazing <laughs> uh, you need to write that down <laughs> and trademark that it's 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 so true and I see how something like uh, transportation is really at the the core of that of society in this way to keep us connected and to to help each other. So shifting a little bit and and coming back to the conference specifically, how do you as a partner contribute to creating more equity in the workforce and and or the the future the future workforce? So now and so present and future, right? Right. Um, well, LA Metro, as you know, provides uh, bus and rail service for the county, um, along with a bunch of other local jurisdictions and municipal providers. And right now, uh, I mentioned our CEO, Stephanie Wiggins, but she has been very clear that her commitment as the new leader of our agency is to equity, health equity specifically, uh, and the customer experience, um, the people riding our system. And so our Office uh, of Equity and Race, really see we see our role at Metro to implement equity in all that we do. And so I'll pause really quickly to just define that and then talk a little bit more about our role at Metro. Please. And it's really important to define equity uh, because, you know, a lot of people talking about it these days, it can get thrown around without sort of having that pause, like, wait, are you talking about the same thing I'm talking about? And we can't discuss equity without acknowledging historic discrimination and exclusion that have led us to current day inequities. Our equity work seeks to prioritize those historically marginalized groups, such as Black, Indigenous, people of color, low-income folks, people with disabilities, people whose preferred or proficient language may not be English, um, and others who face that systemic discrimination. And so our office develops and socializes this approach to equity. But in government, you know, you can't just look to change hearts and minds and then walk away and hope people do good. Government, especially transportation, we implement, we serve, we, we do things. And so our Office of Equity and Race develops tools and trainings so that Metro staff can incorporate equity measures and strive for equitable outcomes in their work. Um, that could be 
transit service, it could be community engagement, or just something as simple as not assuming someone will get a service alert on a smartphone that they may not have. Right. I'm pressed to, to consider the students as well. The public transportation is so necessary for students to get to school as well now that things are kind of moving back into a lot of places are doing a hybrid of some in-person and some virtual. And I feel like public transportation is at the core of their ability to, get, to become educated as well. Absolutely. Um, especially a county that's as spread apart and just wide. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and broad as, as Los Angeles is. It's something I definitely noticed when I was in um, the Bay Area and in New York, uh, that the way that young people traveled around um, on public transportation, it just felt very different. It felt like there was an ownership of their city, of their neighborhood, um, that I think does exist in Los Angeles, um, but because it's so much more dense and concentrated in those cities, it's just more palpable and you feel it. I have to agree with you about how one takes ownership when they spend time exploring the city, but particularly either on public transportation where you, it has a different experience than being in the car and on foot, I think as well. Okay. So all of that said, we are calling this year's conference beyond the benchmark. Last year, we focused on raising awareness and making sure everyone understood what we needed to focus on regarding equity, DEI in general, in the workforce and in the workplace. And this year, we want to focus on solutions, solutions that are being put in place like experts as yourself in the industry. But the beyond the benchmark, to me, means going above and beyond. So what does that mean for you in this in this space? How, how do we go above and beyond to achieve our goals to, to make change actually possible? Sure. So I think when I when I hear beyond the benchmark, I immediately think of the need to distinguish between equity and equality. Um, you know, I think we all grew up in hearing that equality, you know, that's the goal and that's what's good. And I would agree that we are looking for that equality of outcomes, right? We're looking for a world where no matter who you are or where you came from or um, what you look like, that you have an equal opportunity. But we don't live in that world. And just speaking again to those historic inequities and harms that have led us to the contemporary um, inequalities that we have today. That's why equity is important. It does take into account that we're not all starting from the same place, that we don't get treated the same way. And so equity as a process is really important to prioritize those groups that have been historically marginalized, excluded, discriminated against, enslaved, harmed. And so a lot of times I think, especially with a county as huge as Los Angeles, it's really easy to sort of look at resources and investments and just divvy up the pie like, oh, this this part of the county gets this, this part of the county gets that, and then it's all equal. But that's geographic equality. That's not the same thing as equity. And so data is really important. Um, Disaggregated data is really important to inform decision-making and really to identify where are we seeing those public health disparities? Where are we seeing, you know, people who may have longer travel times to work, to school, um, may have fewer transportation options for, you know, a number of systemic reasons. Perhaps they can no longer afford to live near a transit-rich neighborhood and had to move farther out in the county, just as we see our housing market get more and more expensive. And so what does that mean for their ability to equally access resources and opportunities. And so equity is, is you know, we, we're looking for equitable outcomes, but what that requires is prioritizing those folks that have the highest need, the 
fewest amount of options. And I believe that's what we would call justice. That's what we're striving for. We're not just sort of looking for these sort of quick fixes that just say like, oh, well, we gave, you know, we put in a, an extra bus line here. And so that's equity. We're going to give, you know, an extra million dollars, um, you know, to to this project. And that's equity. If your equity, you know, really looks at, again, those existing disparities, but then prioritizes and elevates the needs of those with those disparities in the solutions as well. And so what we're excited about at Metro is that we have leadership and just an increasing um, education among staff that just because something is um, improving public transit at large doesn't necessarily equate to equity. Um, It really needs to focus in on, on who the specific groups are that have the least amount of access and elevating their needs first and centering their voice um, and hearing exactly what it is that they need to be able to live um, a high caliber and quality of life. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to define the difference between equity and equality and include as many examples as you did, because I think that's really important to understand, especially, you know, in having these types of conversations. So if there is one takeaway that someone who is thinking of attending the conference might have that you would hope they would walk away with, what would you like that to be? Well, I guess since it's a future of work uh, conference, I guess I'd love for folks to walk away just with the thought that even in a world where many of us have shifted to virtual work and online engagement, uh, there are many workers who didn't and who do not have that option. Um, And so transportation remains this really critical link for all of us to be able to access resources, services, opportunities. Um, Transportation policy has the ability to connect people to jobs in school, to reduce our carbon imprint on the planet, to increase our active and healthy lifestyle options. It can link us together or it can keep us apart. It can be the difference between keeping a job or seeing a doctor or not. Um, So when we approach transportation investments and improvements, uh, I would like for folks to remember that transportation equity can be as simple as ensuring everyone has dignified, affordable, convenient transportation choices. Amazing. Yes, that's wonderful. So how can we connect with you? You can reach out to our office at equityandrace at metro.net. Perfect. And is there a website or anywhere where people can learn more about what we discussed today? We do have a website. It is metro.net slash about slash equity dash race. Wonderful. I will put a link in the show notes for us so we can easily access that. We'll just click it and it'll take you where you need to go. Naomi, this was wonderful. Thank you for really taking the time to delve in and and share from a really deep angle of why this work is important now and where we need to go in the future with it. So I suggest everyone comes to the conference. It's virtual, it's free, and you can hear this discussion with Naomi and other industry experts as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us and for having these conversations. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.